Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. College football is finally really back. I mean, we had the week zero appetizer and that was fine, but this was the full buffet and holy cow, did it deliver. I, I, I thought I thought we'd just get the thrill of, of Northern Iowa taking Iowa State to three overtimes. I, I'd be fine with that. That would have been a, a satisfying bit of excitement for week one. But then we got Georgia State whipping just whipping Tennessee. We got a classic between Auburn and Oregon where a true freshman makes just an unbelievable throw with nine seconds to go to win the game. Had the comeback at the beginning of the day, Boise State down at Doak Campbell in Tallahassee to Florida State, which looked like it was a night and day difference on offense. And all of a sudden the 2018 offense showed up for the second half and Boise State behind a freshman quarterback comes back and wins the game. It was all the drama you could have asked for. It was everything we waited for for nine long months. You know, we talked and talked and talked, and we had all our set notions of what these teams were going to be, and now they're completely blowing it up. Tennessee loses at Georgia State. Who saw that coming? Missouri loses at Wyoming. Who saw that coming? This was what we were waiting for. We were waiting for new data that gives us some idea of where this season's gonna go. Now, here's the thing. We're gonna completely overreact to this particular data. I guarantee you there will be people who will say, Auburn's gonna win the national title now. And people who say, the Pac-12 should cancel the rest of the season because there's no way the Pac-12 makes the playoff. We don't know that. It's week one, but it's fine. Our hot takery is what keeps us going. The, the, the fires of Mount Take will get us through the long week until there's more football, of course. The good thing about this being the first weekend, there's more football tonight. You've got Houston at Oklahoma, De'Aaron King versus Jalen Hurts. Those poor, poor defenses. They don't know what's coming. I mean, they do know what's coming, but it's, it's going to be ugly. Unless you like offense, and then it's going to be very, very beautiful. But this was just exactly what we needed. We needed a few upsets. We needed a few scares. We needed a, a great game between two teams we think are going to be good. That is how you start a college football season. And if it starts this perfectly, well... The next 13 weeks are going to be just amazing. Some very special guests tonight. Max Olson, National College Football Writer for The Athletic, is going to join us. We're going to break down all the games, all the stories, including possibly the weirdest story that will happen this season. A man coaching from a bed. And we'll also talk about the things that actually happened on the field. And then later, David Ubbin, our Tennessee writer, will join us to break down just a horrific loss for the balls and where Tennessee goes from here now that it feels like the program has bottomed out what happens next because that was ugly today we'll talk about it all on the Andy Staples show this is great 
fall. You have 60 minutes to play somebody, and it really doesn't matter what conference you're from or, 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 or what your rating is. It really what matters is what you do for the gift of place that you have out there today. And it comes a point in time where you gotta stand up at GG and say, you know what, I'll, I'll put the gloves on and go fight if you wanna fight. And you know, I don't know what the outcome will be. It may be that we knock them out. It may be that they hit us with an uppercut at some time. But I do know this, they better dang well know that they get in a darn fight tonight when they come play us in Liberty. Yes, sir. We're joined now by national writer Max Olson and, and Max, this is what we've been waiting for. This is why we sit around for nine months with none of this, praying for this. This is everything we want, right? We got, we got a little bit of everything. I mean, I, I, I don't know about you. I sat on my couch for 12 hours. It was great. I almost didn't move. Like... <laughs> There's almost a sweat stain. I, I, I think I would have gotten in trouble. So every once in a while I shifted. I didn't want to get bed sores or anything. But yeah, I, uh, well, I figured out how to, how to do it today. Because okay. I've got the TV in the living room. And that's great. But I needed a second TV. And I was like, oh, man, I can't take one of these TVs off the wall. That's not, that's not going to work. My wife's going to kill sure. me. And, and what am I going to do if it falls? Because the only place I can put it is on the fireplace, like on the brick in front of the yeah, fireplace. Yeah, right. And if it falls, because that's what would happen if I did that, I'm going to be in big trouble. But then I remembered the kids' playroom where they have their, you know, Wii U and, and uh -huh. the Switch dock and all that. And that TV's on a stand. So I went upstairs and I brought it down, and I hooked it up with a Roku box, and it was glorious. I had two TVs, I had a computer, and I had my phone all running. Uh huh. I like it. It was I like beautiful. It. I, I, it's what I, I did the same thing. I, I had a, I had to set up a smaller second TV. I had the iPad going. I had the laptop going. At one point, ESPN told me uh, I had too many feeds going. They cut me off at four, and I, and I. I, I felt proud of that, you know. You've been it, cut it, off, Olson. <laughs> cut off, um, and and so, but it was, but it's still tough. Like it, it's even when you feel like you kind of have all the bases covered, then like you know, Wyoming, Missouri was the channel that I was flipping to tonight, and you just don't catch very much of it. And at one point, I just you know sent a Slack to our Missouri writer, Peter Baum, was just like, dude, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, there were a it, lot it was, of texts. It was one of those kind of days. There was a couple yeah. of um, what's going on with this one kind of games. There were a lot of texts that were like, "I just looked up and what the hell happened in Knoxville?" Or "I I just looked up and and wait, Oregon's winning by how much?" And right. this is, I mean, but this is everything we wanted. This is this is all we were hoping for in that first weekend, and especially in that first feature game, Auburn, Oregon. You got a great game that came down to the wire. True freshman throwing a touchdown pass with nine seconds to go. I that was not not the best played game. It was actually pretty sloppy. And I, I would say I was at I was at Auburn Washington last year. That game mm -hmm. I thought was more polished than what we saw tonight. But this one was a lot more exciting. I, I but I kind of like I loved how evenly matched they were in the sloppiness. You know, you didn't feel like one team absolutely should have won that game and it just a couple of things didn't go right. Like 
they were they they were both given like a lot of leeway to kind of overcome <laughs> their failings and like you know Bo Nix, uh, you know you watch him uh, run for his life uh, for a lot of that game and I thought for the most part he did a good job of handling that pressure, um, but. You know, it, it was you saw every time he went to the sideline, it was like a learning experience. Like he was talking it out with Gus and 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 there's a lot of teaching that went on in the middle of that game. And then Oregon, you know, had had just like we, we saw kind of with that big spotlight game last year with Stanford, like Oregon had moments when they could have run away with it and they just weren't totally able uh, to pull it off. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I didn't, you know, I, do you trust Bo Nix to, to make that throw at the end there? I guess you do now, but it was crazy to, to watch him kind of work through it throughout that game, uh, dive for that, um, you know, the that first, first down, down on that critical fourth down run, which was play. nuts. Yeah. And then, you know, he, he's making a lot of smart throws to the sideline and all that to set it up. And then, you know, reads the coverage and takes a little shot and, and boy, what a moment. Well, and, you know, that is when you throw because sure, Oregon was thinking, all right, they're going to run it and or they're going to try to get the first down here and then they're going to spike it and then kick the field goal. And nope, nope, nope. Just just go deep. <laughs> and and what a <laughs> what a catch by Williams, because yeah. the, he had a guy draped all over. And, and unlike a couple plays earlier where it really was pass interference and they didn't, they didn't call it. This was good coverage. The hands didn't go in around the body until the ball got there. And right. just great concentration to bring that in and then not fall down in front of the goal. Because can you imagine trying to kick from the hash mark right next to the goal line? That's a no horrible doubt. angle. So No doubt. I mean, it, it, they're, they're, and then I'm sitting there screaming at my TV, go for two. Well, obviously just holding two fingers <laughs> up in the air. Go for two, go for two. And they get the penalty and they, they kick off. And Oregon's on the 40. I'm like, why did you not go for two? I know. The extra point gave you nothing. Ugh. And you felt you felt horrible about Herbert throwing that out of the end zone because that that really set up for just kind of the perfect throw it up there moment. Oh, absolutely. And you thought after that, well, of course this is how this ends. Of course right. this is how Gus Malzahn gets fired. <laughs> is he doesn't yeah. go for two when Butch Jones would have told him to go for two and then they get a penalty or well, they had the penalty already, but then they squib it and, and Oregon brings it back and just hits a hail Mary and the, and kicks the extra point and wins the game. That's how I, I was just in my mind. And, and an Oregon scenarios. team with no wide receivers catches a hail Mary to, right. to beat Auburn. That's how it should have ended. Right. That's exactly right. And so <laughs> now I believe Gus Malzahn just signed an 85 year extension. Sure. That they'll sure. try to buy out next year. Yeah, yeah. They saw the Jimbo contract and they said Gus deserves better than that now. Absolutely. But of course, <laughs> they will lose to Jimbo and then decide to fire him. So, well, but, and that's you know, but that and and we kind of like we can joke around about how like oh you know the week 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 one overreactions like if if so and so loses that they're toast but like we have seen that before like we you remember the AM uh, UCLA game in LA where oh yeah after that after that game you know like oh wow this is pretty this much is over for someone, Kevin actually. Sumlin, yeah well yeah let, let's let's overreact right now and then we'll pull it all back because here's the overreaction auburn's going to be great the pac12 may as well cancel the season <laughs> This that's is what, that's what we're supposed to, to say, right? That's the hot yeah. take. But <sighs> but that's not yeah. true. 
I, w- I was at Auburn, Washington last year, and I went away from that game thinking this these were two very good teams going at it, and they're both good, and I can see them both competing for playoff spots or competing for conference titles. Well, it turned out Auburn was the fifth best team in the SEC West, and its offense absolutely stunk. Yeah. And Washington yeah. was the best team in the Pac-12 and was not as good as Auburn. Which was a bad thing. So, I mean, that that's the thing. We we can assume that these two these are two great teams going at it, but I looked at Auburn's offense against a not great Oregon defense and mm-hmm. thought, all right, how's this gonna go when they're playing Texas AM, when they're playing Florida, when they're playing Alabama, when they're playing Georgia? Because sure. they gotta get better. Now, they got a true freshman at quarterback who got better mm-hmm. during the game. So they may get better. But I don't know. And and for Oregon, you just mentioned that all those receivers that are out, by the middle of the season, they might be unstoppable on offense. Oh, man. But, like, the way that Oregon showed up in that first quarter um, and, like, the swag that those guys were playing with, like, right away, and Herbert was part of it, which was you don't usually see from him, like, you, I was pretty blown away from by that that Ducks team um, in the first half, and, and and yeah, I felt like if they you know were fully operational, if they had all that talent at wideout um, out there, if they had Juwan Johnson and Micah Pittman out there, like they there's a possibility they could have just racked up a ton of points and run away with this one. Well, and and that's the other thing about this: who in the Pac-12 can get after Herbert the way Auburn did tonight? Right, Utah probably, but they don't see Utah unless they make the title game. Yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, that that that's the thing that like you, you kind of felt like with both of these teams, and that's why I kind of love the matchup is like you see the pieces, you see the pieces are there for them to if they can kind of figure it out and stay healthy and stuff, they, they could have awesome seasons. Um, and 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 I'm with you, like I. I if Oregon gets right, like they're going to be, they're going to be a problem. I feel like in this, in the PAC 12 and uh, especially in this year's PAC 12, um, where I think the doors open for them. Um, you know, I, 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 I think you walk away from this one a little bit feeling like, well, we didn't, we didn't make that many, you know, horrible kind of late game decisions. There, there were some mistakes, but you felt like you played them evenly at least. Right. I think so. I mean, that was a very even game. It, Oregon was winning until nine seconds to go. So right. I absolutely think it was a, it was an even matchup. And so if Auburn's good, that's that bodes well for Oregon. The, the problem is, and again, I, I go back to last year, this doesn't mean Auburn's good. Mm-hmm. It means they beat Oregon. And I realize that is like the worst hot take ever. But fortunately, this is a podcast and not a, a talk radio show. Right. You podcast <laughs> listeners out there, and by the way, uh, subscribe, rate, review, unsubscribe, resubscribe, rate, review. That's right. You Move guys are the, folks. You're the smart folks. You're the you're the intelligentsia. I know that you like this reasoned take that all tonight meant was that Auburn was better than Oregon on this particular night. And not better by much, because I don't I don't think we can make any grant pronouncements. I I think we need to see Auburn play, probably Texas A&M and Florida before we can really feel like we know what they are. Right. Oh, I mean the and, and I think you I like look you could say this most years, but I feel like after watching that Auburn team, 
you feel like the big battles in the SEC West this year, like, could be phenomenal. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, because I, I, you know, I guess we'll see if if the LSU their new 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 look offense um, holds up over the course well, of the season and all that. But like with where they're at and and with where Auburn I think can get and and you know I guess we'll find out where Texas A&M's at next week. Um, you know, I, I I think you have to feel pretty good about that division overall, which is why I kind of. I don't feel good about kind of contributing to the whole, hey, let's dump on the SEC after week one. Well, we, we can dump on them in, in a certain way. Now, we won't yeah. dump on Tennessee as much because we're going to have our Tennessee beat writer David Ubbin on later. And we can, you know, there's not much he can do except dump on them because he was actually physically present at the loss to Georgia State. So that's all you can do. But w- w- allow us to dump on South Carolina a little bit uh, and, and then – you know, talk about the team that, that won that game mm-hmm. because uh, it's the return of the Mac. It is return of the Mac. Oh, yeah. Return, return of, of the, Mac. the Mac. Be strong. Yeah. You know that he'll be back. You knew he'd be back. I had no idea he'd be back. <laughs> I was Texas stunned. Texas is back. Mac is sp- back. The worlds are aligning, you know? I, I Yes, Texas is back and Mac is back at the same time. Uh, we we don't know if Texas is back. They play LSU next week, and maybe maybe a week that from now sense. on this podcast, you're hearing a different story. But okay, true freshman quarterback, and I realize everybody's killing Will Muschamp for punting on fourth mm-hmm. and one, and I am yeah. normally the one who kills coaches for punting on fourth and one around midfield. But I'm all for making a true freshman quarterback go 98 yards. Yeah. 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 I mean, shout out to Sam Howell. You know, I, I, if you told me that at the end of the day, you could argue he outplayed Jake Bentley in his first career game um, in running a completely new offense that just, you know, it takes uh, the only thing it takes is repetition and doing it a lot to, to really get it. Um, <laughs> that he, he, he made a couple throws that probably should have been picked off, but um, he, dude, he did enough today. And uh, I, I, I couldn't believe how, how they pulled that off at the end. Well, I can't believe they did pull it off at the end because they had a major titanic brain fart at the end. And, and you oh don't put it on the freshman quarterback. That's on the coaching no. staff. They took a knee, for those who didn't see, they took a knee with about 12 seconds to go on their own 43-yard line or so. And it was on fourth down. Yeah. Well, you... You, you, the clock, clock stops because you give the ball to the other team. Yep. So South Carolina got one more play. Now they sacked Bentley and then scooped and scored it. So the, the final score looked a little bit different. But the, the look on Mac's face when he realized <laughs> what they had done was, yeah. oh, Sally might get mad that I didn't stay retired. <laughs> that was I, I love that at the end that Mac, um, like, is, like, pointing to his pocket and it says he has, like, a list – a long, long list full of all the, the dumb things they did, all the things they need to fix. But he was still crying because he was so happy that they actually pulled that off. Well, and, and it's interesting. So I was watching the end of the Auburn game, and we were watching Gus Malzahn. I was sitting there with my wife, and she's like, shouldn't he be happier? And I said, <laughs> this means he thinks his team is good. Because yeah. if he didn't think they were supposed to win that game, he'd be ecstatic right now. Mac Brown was ecstatic because they weren't supposed to win. Mac Brown was absolutely ecstatic with, I mean, especially with the way they start their schedule. Um, 
he, you knew that it was going to be like a humbling start to this season. And, and for them to, to, to crit that out against his former defensive coordinator, um, uh, just un- unreal, unreal. The return of the Mac. I saw the team that UNC plays next week, last mm-hmm. week. And I got to say, Miami and South Carolina aren't all that different. So we assumed that UNC was going to have a horrific start to the season because, because of the way the schedule works out. But I don't know. This is the first division game for Mac Brown. I think they go into it fairly evenly matched, and they're at home. So, I, yeah. Now, one thing that was really interesting today, whether it was Bo Nix or Sam Howell or uh, or Hank Bachmeyer at, at at Boise the State, the goat Hank Bachmeyer. Yeah, we watched some true freshman quarterbacks who look like they could be really good grow up over the course of games. Mm-hmm. And the Hank, the Hank thing. I mean, so Boise State. What a comeback in just horrible heat, which I can tell you from having grown up in that horrible heat. Yes, uh, yeah. It is it is miserable if you're not used to it. And they looked like they were used to it, and Florida State wasn't. And Florida State came out, you know, guns blazing on offense. Kendall Bryles, everything he called was right. And then the second half, Boise State just locked it down. And uh, it looked like Florida State – sort of retreated to let's just take a bunch of deep shots and and James Blackman hopefully his arm will will win something for us but it didn't they 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 didn't score I mean no so and then Hank getting just getting battered by Florida State oh my gosh yeah yeah I mean (laughs) he 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 seriously though like you just go down the list like the 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 list of like adverse uh conditions here for Hank Bachmeyer right Supposed to be a neutral site game. They turned it into a road game at Florida State. You've got to play in that heat, which you certainly cannot really kind of simulate out in Boise. Um, you you start off with a huge deficit. You're getting pounded like that um, against a team that that seemingly is playing with a lot of confidence and, and is you know bouncing back in a big way. And that dude just stands in there and and you know. Uh, engineers drives and and creates one of I, I think maybe my favorite stat of of the week is that uh, the the total play disparity between Boise and Florida State um, where Boise ran you know what was it like 150 I mean oh. Oh, it, it was, it for was him to hang in there in that heat and play a hundred plays um, and pull off that that comeback incredible so we saw some teams lose like Missouri at Wyoming, like Tennessee against Georgia State. But we also saw some teams escape. Iowa mm-hmm. State needed three overtimes to beat Northern Iowa. Uh, Nebraska and South Alabama were way closer than they should have been. Mississippi State and Louisiana Lafayette were, were way closer than they should have been. Should we be worried about any of these teams, or is this one of those that they won, they got out of it, they're going to be okay? Uh, Andy, I, I told so many people throughout this offseason that Iowa State was going to be really, really good. And uh, so I have to thank Brock Purdy for uh, for saving face there at the end and, and surviving the triple overtime and scooping up, diving in to scoop up a fumble that yes, should have lost Yes, if he doesn't do game. that, game's over. Game's over. Um, I It's weird because this, this was what Iowa State did last year. They started 1-3 last year and, and completely fell off the national map and – 
you know, how to change quarterbacks and rework their offense and, um, you know, kind of kind of start from rock bottom a little bit there. And I didn't think that was going to be the case with this team. And I'm not saying they're – I'm certainly not saying they're frauds or overrated or anything like that. I just – clearly it was a team that's working through some issues there. Uh, their offensive line is a lot more experienced but still uh, wasn't great. Um, I think that you saw some of the pieces they're going to have, a receiver and running back. They're going to be fine there, but uh, – <laughs> I, you know, they, they, they could not really string together a, a real run in that game. And, and then it dragged on as long as it did. And honestly, I don't know why anyone schedules Northern Iowa. I don't know why anyone ever schedules a good FCF team, period. Because no. they're not afraid of you. It is their Super Bowl. And they're and coming to just make you miserable. take them seriously. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Um, so, yeah, I, I was concerned about that. Uh, Nebraska was interesting um, because it was just kind of so uncharacteristic for them. Um, the, all, all the issues were offensive. It, it was just not clicking. Um, they really couldn't run between the tackles. Uh, Martinez made some, some, some mistakes that uh, really had not made over the last month. And uh, what saved the day, strangely for them, was, was um, non-offensive touchdowns. Was their defense and special teams stepping up in, in a huge way. Um, so, yeah, that, that game, uh, a lot closer than it should have been. And uh, certainly, th- we're going to get kind of their how real are you game next week when they go to Colorado. Yeah, and, and Iowa State will play Iowa down the road. And, and so, we'll, we'll see where these, these schools are at. I, I, I'm a firm believer that if you get out with the win in that situation, that it, it doesn't necessarily have to be – foreshadowing something terrible happening to your season. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think you just got to win and, and get done. But we haven't talked about the story of Saturday. The greatest thing that happened Saturday. Oh, we're going there, aren't we? We have to. Hugh Freeze coached from a bed. He coached from a hospital bed. He coached from a bed. And then gave his post-game press conference also... From a bed. Oh, I watched it. Did you watch it? Oh, yes. <laughs> it was every bit as awkward as you can. So, how many times since Hugh Freeze has gotten the Liberty job has mm-hmm. he just sort of... And this is... Obviously, we're not trying to make light of his back spasms, which sound pretty awful. And Yeah, and, yeah, and the staff infection he dealt with, he, right. he claimed it was life-threatening. So, we're, I mean, we're certainly not going to, like, joke about that. Yeah, but, but my he, goodness. I feel like he's walked into so many situations since he got that job where the jokes kind of write themselves. Yeah. And people just can't help themselves. Uh, but, I mean, he coached from a bed. He I can't from a bed. stress this enough. <clears throat> I You know, an important... Important note here, you, you have to give all the credit in the world to the IT staff at Liberty, right? Absolutely. For figuring out a way to say, hey, you know what? He can just talk to the team through video conference, and he can just do his press conference through video conference. And, you know, that halftime speech will be fine. We've, we've got good good quality uh, video chat features here. We can set it up. I'm serious. <laughs> I mean, the, the How did they think of that? speed at Liberty must be lightning fast. We we don't need an interim coach here. We have technology. <laughs> I love technology, but not his, his as do- much I, as you. You see, I he I watched it. He said his doctor 
told him, nope, can't be on your feet at all this weekend. So they rolled him into the stadium in a wheelchair. And he he said he called plays. He called plays on first and second down. Couldn't really do third down quite as well, but first and second down he called. He couldn't see the game clock. Um, they, he didn't have a replica game clock in, in, the, in the coach's box there. So that was tough. You know, you couldn't talk to refs. You t- couldn't call timeouts from down there. But, uh, you know, uh, they made it work. Well, I mean, they didn't make it work. They lost by 24 to Syracuse. But They didn't lose by uh, 24. They lost 24 to – or they didn't just lose by 24. That's true. They, they were shut out. 24 to nothing. And, yeah. And zero. They had negative rushing yards and eight sacks. And uh, the, the great buckshot Calvert didn't have one of his finest games. But, um, but boy, no one can say they didn't try. That's right. They made every effort, and they did not take this one lying down. Oh, wait. Sorry. You I love the shot of just him. Yourself. Just that's the problem. I love him just like chilling in the hospital bed, holding a, a bottle of Coke Zero, doing his post game. Like, that's yep, the best this part. Is, uh, do you this is the way it's got to be, guys. Do you think he was trolling Nick Saban, who has a Coke bottle on his his lectern when he gives press conferences? I don't know. I I, I think he should get a sponsorship from Coke Zero. That uh, you know, Coke Zero is always there for you wherever you are, whatever your need. You know. I I think you're right. I I think you're absolutely right. <laughs> It, that I mean, that that's the weirdest thing that happened, right? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think because it was a pretty interesting weekend, but that yeah. is that is definitely the weirdest thing that happened. Uh, you know, the the world humbles us in strange ways, Andy. Uh, it, it it does, and <laughs> that just <sighs> that, that press conference when the videos started trickling out of that press conference, because he he was actually answering I, I, questions, I mean, right? The, the shot of Dino Babers walks onto the field at the end of the game. Points! For the, for the mid-game, hand, post-game handshake, and points up to Hugh Freeze, and Hugh Freeze points back. Is, you know, runaway favorite for uh, my, the best image of, of 2019 college football right there. I, I, I feel like the internet will make use of, of that particular image forever. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to have a nice lifespan as a meme. I, I look forward to that. So what did we actually learn, Max? Did we learn anything today? Hmm. Nothing that I, I mean. You're you're the smart one here. You you tell me how this. I'm the smart. Uh, what, since when? <laughs> I I don't feel like the, the the landscape has been shaken by any means. I, I don't and, think and so either. I, part of it is because today was, I mean, a product of the schedule being spread out the way it was, where there were good games on on Thursday and Friday, and there's a great one tomorrow in Norman and then Notre Dame Louisville and you had the week zero game. So, so this week didn't, you know, this week wasn't the whole, the whole full course meal in some ways, but no, I don't feel like the, the world has shaken and it looks like USC is going to be fine against Fresno. So I think that's the one tonight you kind of keep an eye out. I mean, wh- why you're am say, I saying you're this saying that now. podcast? That's a terrible no, call. We, we can, we can do that. These podcasts, you know, usually are going to be unstuck in time, but again, podcast listeners the smartest people in the world they understand we record these things you know we do not we're not recording them as they're listening and so yes the usc fresno state game is going on right now it was getting a little bit of a usc cal last year kind of vibe in the second quarter and i'll tell you we'll we'll lift the curtain here We'll, we'll break the fourth wall let's do it if Fresno State wins this game. There will be a, like a 10-minute rant from me 
that you will have already listened to in this podcast about <laughs> what happens next at USC. So don't you worry. We got everybody covered, Max. You'll be in bed. Yeah, it's... I'll be ranting if that happens. We, you know, this is, a, this is a new podcast. You can completely change the, uh, the way people listen to them. But Changing the, the podcast game. That's right. It's, it's still a premium experience no matter what. Well, that's exactly right. And if you want the, a real premium experience, you, uh, you can subscribe to The Athletic and, uh, and also get the Friday show. Ooh. But right now, I do want you to subscribe, rate, review, unsubscribe, and rate, review again. I mean, as long as it's a good rating and a, a good review. That's, that's really what we're going for here. So, but yeah, I, I don't know that we, that we learned anything grand today. And there will be those hot takes. The, 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 the result of the Auburn-Oregon game, which really came down to a gutsy throw and a guy making a great catch with nine seconds to go. For sure. And Gus not getting punished for not going for two. I don't think that really means that there's anything bigger going on than Auburn was better than Oregon by a little bit on this mm-hmm. night. Well, and I, I think that we know that, like, in in December, like the playoff committee is not going to like punish Oregon for losing that game to Auburn, right? So like, in, well, I, if I don't Auburn's really fifth feel in like the West again, say, yeah, they probably will. What'd you say? If Auburn is fifth in the West again, <laughs> yes, they probably will. But do, that this is what I'm trying to ask. Do you do you feel like there is a hey, let's put a, put together a big run potential here for Oregon? Or do you feel like, yeah, they're a little better than last year, but not not dramatically so? I feel like Herbert will be well-protected and will have time to throw against just about everybody they play. Washington may may be able to get to him, and obviously that game's on the road, and, and there's going to be you know a tough environment. Stanford is on the road. That's going to be a tough environment. Uh, but I do think, they can win the Pac-12. I, I firmly believe that. I don't know if they will. But if they do go through the Pac-12 undefeated and Auburn winds up pretty good. Like, if Auburn's an eight-win mm. team, it's fine. Losing right. this way to them will be considered fine, especially if Oregon shows growth as the season goes on. I mean, go back to the Ohio State team that won the, the, the national title in 2014. They looked terrible. Against yeah. Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech, yeah. They were amazing Brew. at the end of the season. Teams grow and change over the season. And I know that's not the hot take you want to hear today, but it's the truth. Tennessee will probably not lose every game because they lost to Georgia State. It only feels that way right now. <laughs> right, right. But I I am more excited than ever for this season now because I don't know about you, Max, but this offseason felt longer than all of the other ones did it did i mean i don't know in some like we didn't necessarily have like the big huge thing to kind of carry us through like the 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 actual realignment yeah which is why you know we were able to kind of make you know things like the 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 transfer portal or or things like that we were they earned quite a big fuss because we just didn't really have a whole lot else to to get into right i mean it's so, so I don't know. It was a long one, but it's finally here. And, uh, boy, um, <laughs> I, I, 
I'm, it's I, I look forward off. to many, many more days on the couch. Oh, I'll, I'll tell I can't you that. Wait. I know I'll be in some press boxes at some point, but just the hopping around from game to game, um, it was uh, it was a pleasure. And I'll, I'm assuming most of you are listening to this on Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon. That means tonight you get De'Eric King versus Jalen Hurts in Norman. Points. I could not be more excited for that game. <laughs> I know. I uh, do you think Houston can play like solid enough defense to make that a four quarter game? No, but I don't think <laughs> Oklahoma can either. That's the best I don't part. Think Oklahoma can either. Uh, I know, I know. I think uh, Oklahoma is, and I and I love Grinch, and I think that uh, I think you'll get there over time. That will be one of the best hires of this whole offseason. But boy. I just don't know if they have the personnel yet. You know, I just yeah. don't think they do. Yeah, and that's it. I mean, when they finally get the kind of defensive tackles that you saw playing for Auburn tonight, mm-hmm. that's when Oklahoma will have a defense that can compete with with those types of guys. Yeah, and and really, oh, the pass rushing tonight was 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 phenomenal, and it was a great um, reminder of where this game's at. And and if you don't have that ability then then you are going to be uh in a world of trouble against those kind of teams or just get yourself a true freshman quarterback who ages five years in one game because that seemed to yeah. work pretty well for a few and does legendary today. stuff in his first game of his entire career yeah it's good well you have given us some legendary stuff max and i really appreciate it max olson national college football writer for the athletic thank you so much i hope you will be back soon thank you andy To all my friends listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts, you're missing half the shows. Subscribe to The Athletic now and you can get our bonus Friday shows where we reveal all the secrets to happiness as well as break down all of Thursday's action and preview all of Saturday's games. But it's only on The Athletic app and it's only available to subscribers of The Athletic who are the nicest, smartest, best-looking people in the world, and we love them, and we'd love for you to be one. So you can go to www.theathletic.com slash Andy Staples. That's athletic.com slash A-N-D-Y-S-T-A-P-L-E-S, and you can subscribe. You get the Friday show. You get the secrets to happiness, and you get 40% off your first year reading the best sports writing on the planet. What? a deal. It's one latte a month. That's all it is. So subscribe. We'll talk on Friday. Joined now by David Ubbin, the Athletics Tennessee beat writer in a very eventful day on Rocky Top, David, or should I say, and I hope I'm the 57,349th person to make this joke, Rocky Bottom. (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, when the day starts with a member of the Vol Navy sinking to the bottom of the Tennessee River, you know, that, that's never a good way to start the day. And, and Tennessee had a, a band member during the halftime performance pass out, and the, the band just kept on playing. So, uh, you know, it's uh, all around a rough day for the uh, folks in Orange. 38-30 loss to Georgia State. And it wasn't as close as the final score indicated. That was a butt whipping in the fourth quarter. 
Yeah, I think that's the most interesting thing about this game. Is it, it wasn't a weird game. Tennessee just got beat. Uh, they were losing the battle on the line of scrimmage. Uh, they did that for most of the game, but especially in the fourth quarter. I mean, it's one of those situations where you kind of see it every now and then that you just, a team gets grinded and grinded and grinded where, you know, teams, it looks like they're getting nothing and they're getting four or five yards every single time. And, and you saw that for most of the second half. Tennessee just couldn't get off the field uh, on, on third down. And, and that's partly because Georgia State's running third and two and third and three most of the game. Well, you uh, you had a chat with your your readers after the game, and it was highly entertaining if you had no rooting interest in this game. If you're a Tennessee <laughs> fan, I, I'm guessing it was somewhat cathartic. But uh, the chat opens up, and, and reader Calvin immediately effing kill me. <laughs> reader Kyle, burn it all to the ground. Reader Zach, why? Reader Jeffrey M., every year they find a new way to let me down. And then you get into this thing, and you're asking them, how they would describe this game. Calvin comes back and goes, have you seen Requiem for a Dream? <laughs> and then Max comes in with, it's Groundhog Day, but only the ones where Bill Murray kills himself. So Dark day. That's how Vol Nation's feeling right now. How much psychological damage does this do to a fan base that has dealt with an awful lot of psychological damage over the last 10 years? Well, I think two things. Um, you know, and, and I touched on this in the article you can read on The Athletic. Um, first off, I think Tennessee fans have been pretty optimistic about Jeremy Pruitt. They didn't really know him um, when he came here. He was kind of, you know, not to say a nobody, but just didn't have the, a lot of name recognition the same way that a lot of the other candidates did um, for this job. But the biggest thing he had going for him is he's the polar opposite of Butch Jones, and, and fans really liked that. And so... You know, he was sort of an unknown quantity, but but you look at him on paper and you look at his trajectory, fans were optimistic. And I think a lot of people really wanted to believe, even though they were sort of cautious. And and so I think two things. One, he lost a lot of people tonight. Uh, when you lose a game like that to a team that has no business uh, doing that kind of thing to you, a lot of people don't believe in him, and now all of a sudden, you know, the question doesn't become, you know, when is Jeremy Pruitt going to get back, uh, get Tennessee back to, to where Tennessee fans feel like uh, the program should be? And now the question is, is is he the guy? And and that has not really been the question. I think fans were sort of waiting, but they liked a lot of the the, the things that he said and the way that he ran his program, and that they had, you know, a quote unquote football coach. Um, but um, a, a rough night that that I think. It's going to take a lot of really good wins and a lot of time to erase from Tennessee fans' memories. I feel like they were like midway through Butch Jones's third or fourth season before they hit this point with him. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think um, playing a little bit of a more fun style of ball can help. Um, and Tennessee, I think that's the thing, is you had so many lopsided losses last year. But in addition... It's not a real aesthetically pleasing brand of football. It's not super fun to watch. And I think, you know, I was surprised to learn because Tennessee has flirted with uh, embarrassing losses so often that, you know, Derek Dooley, Lane Kiffin, Butch Jones never lost to a non-Power 5 team. And, and here we are, Jimmy Pruitt, in uh, what should have just been a warm-up game for BYU, what I, uh, a game that I thought was the biggest game of the season. He does what no one's done since five days after Fulmer, you know, agreed to step down. And and that's astounding because, like I said, I remember a lot of games, that Appalachian State game, 
Uh, you know, Tennessee has flirted with this a lot, and and uh, that's something that, that that's going to hover over Jeremy Pruitt for a while. The fact that you have Dooley and Kiffin and and uh, and Butch Jones, people that are really loathed, less so Kiffin, but certainly the other two loathed within the Tennessee fan base, and they never hit a low um, that Jeremy Pruitt hit uh, in Week One of Year Two. Well, and and this is the part where I kind of rub it in a little bit. You could have had Mike Leach, <laughs> except the president called John Curry home. They they were getting that deal done in Marina Del Rey when they called John Curry home because the the coup had been completed and, and Philip Fulmer had taken power. Uh, and Philip Fulmer wanted a football coach that coached football like it was played when Philip Fulmer was one of the best coaches in the country. And that is Jeremy Pruitt. But the problem I see with Jeremy Pruitt, and I've said this a, a bunch of times this offseason, is – they are trying to play the same game as Alabama and Georgia, but without as many good players as Alabama and Georgia. And that doesn't seem like a recipe for success, but that was, that was just, you know, that is talking about winning the SEC East. That's talking about competing with Georgia, competing with Alabama, competing with Florida. That's not talking about competing with Georgia State. That's the most mind-boggling thing to me is where was the – fire where was the competitiveness like even when they were down against Appalachian State a couple years ago there was there seemed to be a a, you know kind of a will to win that where they where they came back they just were flat and just let it happen today yeah I think I I I don't know that the coaching staff would ever sort of say this out loud but I I think it's fair to say that they didn't take this game that seriously and you could see it in the rotations they played a ton of guys I think they wanted to get guys some reps they wanted to learn about their team and all of a sudden you get stuck in a dogfight and I think you know I think it's a sense of that mentality can sort of trickle down um and and you know everybody's always going to say the right things most of the time. It's 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 you know college sports at this point is pretty sanitized in terms of comments, but this felt like something that they treated like a scrimmage and ended up, you know, writing one of the most embarrassing chapters uh, of Tennessee football in, in its history. Well, that that's the part that I would think after a, a year like last year they wouldn't treat any game like that. Yeah, somewhat, but I mean, at the end of the day, you're still a 26-point favorite, and they didn't play well in sort of their, their bye games last year. It was kind of ugly with um, Charlotte and UTEP, and, and they did pretty well against uh, East Tennessee State, their FCS game last year. But uh, those games were never really in doubt. You know, they had them in hand. This game, you know, it was it was a little touch-and-go for most of them. You, you fumble on the second play of the game. Uh, you go down seven nothing, but then they score two quick uh, touchdowns, and, it, and they felt like they sort of had it. And then all of a sudden, they go down in the third quarter. And as soon as that uh, you know that Jared Garantano sack, you know they're down three and, and turn it over in their own territory. That was the first time where even I was like, ah, they're they're gonna lose this game. And you know I, I sort of asked some of the players, uh, you know when when did you feel like this got out of hand? And and they never really they didn't really answer the question. It was sort of just like oh you yeah know, they're they're not playing. going to and yeah but I, I think fine. it was I, mean, proud. I, I never I never sensed that that they really thought that they were gonna lose that game until it was it was too late. And so they never had a chance to sort of rally the troops. And I was amazed, you know, being on the sidelines and and, and also watching from the press box, 
you know, before the fourth quarter, you looked at the other sideline. Those guys were, you know, the full team is on the field. Everybody's jumping around, you know, banging around. And it's a one-point game. And Tennessee's kind of just standing there watching Jeremy Pruitt talk. Uh, and then you go down to the sidelines, and, and they're down. And it was still a, kind of a game at that point, And everybody's just kind of staring at each other. You know, guys just kind of shaking their head. And, and I think those, those kinds of mentalities, sometimes you put a little too much weight into those. But, but I think it really does tell the story. I mean, Tennessee admitted it after the game. You know, Georgia State wanted it, wanted it more than they did, and, and you sort of saw that in the body language. And, and, of course, you saw that on the field. When it comes to get the other guy out of your way, Georgia State did that better for 60 minutes. We knew that Tennessee was thin on the defensive line, and that's, that's why the NCAA declaring Aubrey Solomon immediately eligible is such a big deal. But it, it did seem to show in the fourth quarter against – you know, I guess a fairly veteran Georgia State offensive line, and, and uh, Dan Ellington certainly looked like he was, was very cool at quarterback for them, uh, even though he's not been in a lot of games like this. He was a JUCO transfer who started on a 2-8 and eight team last year. But uh, what, how did that group perform? Because that was a huge question mark coming in, and it, it didn't seem like it went that well tonight. No, not well. I mean, they just got pushed around, and this is this is Georgia State. I mean, this is the kind of game, you know, certainly Tennessee is not going to go 0-12, but this is the kind of game that makes you say, man, if this happening against Georgia State, I mean, who is Tennessee going to beat? And I think the, the counter to that is, you know, college football teams change a lot from week to week and, and generally improve, and, and this Tennessee team does have some potential there. But just an, an absolutely awful night. Uh, they, they were talking tonight. You know, they had a lot of trouble getting lined up um, in the right spots. They were misaligned, not ready for some plays. And, and that's pretty inexcusable. Even if you're young, I mean, that's a pretty basic thing. And, and that goes back to coaching. I, I think just, you know, Jerry Pruitt wanted to fall on his sword and talks a lot about how they got out coached. And I think sometimes people take that as like, well, you know, he's just saying what, what people want to hear. But like, that's coaching, you know. They they get into a situation late in the game. They need a stop. It's third and six. They get a stop. They got twelve guys on the field. Georgia State extends the drive and eventually scores. Well, and, and the the thing about that play that was interesting that was a veteran quarterback making a very smart play because he saw the Tennessee player running off the field mm-hmm. and begged them to snap the ball, made sure they snapped it while he was still on the field, and, and got himself a, a free play out of it, and. There wasn't that sort of heady play by Tennessee tonight. That was all happening on the Georgia State side. Yeah, it's it really is. You know, it goes back to kind of what we were talking about before. I mean, this wasn't a game where you're like, oh man, what is happening, or all this crazy stuff happening. It is the the biggest concern for Tennessee is they went out and played a team that is a ten year old program that went two and ten a year ago that is really has pretty modest expectations and they just got beat. They just got beat. Uh, nothing fluky about it. And, and that is hugely concerning with a pretty tough BYU team coming in uh, a week later that, you know, I thought was the biggest game of the year, but uh, now, I mean, Tennessee, they, they got to find some wins somewhere. I think the question of, of whether or not this team can get to a bowl game, when you're talking about a team with a pretty thin margin for error, that margin for error did not include losing to Georgia state. Well, before we get back to the doom and gloom, what was there any kind of bright side today? Did anybody play well that you thought, okay, they can build on this, or if these couple things get straightened out, they might be okay? Man, I, I will say, Eric Gray, you heard to talk about him all offseason. 
the numbers aren't going to wow anybody. You know, he had 13 touches tonight, uh, 80 total yards. But, man, he's got some absolute wiggle. He gets loose. He, he loves the spin move. That's probably going to get, uh, you know, him in trouble from time to time, you know, as he's a young player. But, man, uh, he really uh, looks special, a true freshman. You're talking about Ty Chandler, six carries, puts the ball on the ground twice, uh, and then it's it's sort of the Eric Gray show uh, for, from there. Um, but but he was really promising. And then, of course, Henry To'oto'o, who, uh, you know, with the Athletic, I went out to San Francisco and uh, spent some time with, with his family. Uh, the football IQ for him is off the charts. I mean, he's a guy that's a true freshman, didn't get here till the summer, and he's a day one starter. Granted, they didn't have Danny Batuli tonight, so that was part of that. But he's making calls and, and sort of directing the defense. And all over the field, making a ton of tackles, uh, making some plays. So, yeah, plenty to chew on on the negative side of things. But the the, the 2019 class, they, they had some some bright moments tonight for sure. So how, how much of this is Batuli's not there for the defense, Trey Smith just got declared medically eligible to play, Solomon just got declared eligible to play, and they weren't sure if that was going to happen or not. How, how much of this is some pretty key players were not – you know, able to practice in the way that, that you'd want them. And then you had a, a very big member of the defense out. Nah, I mean, it's Georgia state. I mean, you, there, there's no excuse. <laughs> I, I, tr- <laughs> I tried to give you a chance to, to put the people's minds. No, at ease, there's Dave. no, on. there is no excuse. It's Georgia state. I, 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 I could have seen a scenario in which Tennessee was a little sluggish and, you know, they won by like a touchdown and had to get a defensive stop late. Or so. I, I could have seen that. Losing, you know, I, I wouldn't have had a heart attack if you told me that. But Tennessee getting beat up and and basically losing this game by two touchdowns, if not for a late, you know, touchdown in the last seconds, I mean that is is astounding. There is no excuse that can make up for that. I don't care how many guys you're missing, and it's just uh, no excuse. You know, it's uh, an unbelievable loss. It really is. I, I never would have thought that we would be sitting here talking about this um, with with. Georgia State walking into Neyland Stadium with what seemed like an improving Tennessee team that really had its moments um, and, and really sort of felt like it was maybe turning a corner a little bit. Nothing too earth-shattering this year, but but certainly starting to build. I mean, it really feels like the, the whole foundation is kind of shook and, and, and crooked at this point. It, it is really interesting because this is one of those schedules you looked at and you go, okay, they're going into the Florida game undefeated this year. In theory. And now... <laughs> You got a BYU team coming in that hung with hung with Utah for a half or for you know two and a half quarters. Could they have two losses going into the Florida game? Of course, absolutely. I mean, I think I thought BYU. I wouldn't say a toss up, but I'd say like an eight to ten foot putt. You better play well, and you should win that game if you play well. But you play average. You're going to be in trouble if Tennessee plays like this against BYU, especially on the defensive line. I mean, they might get embarrassed by three touchdowns. I mean, it's I don't find it hard to believe at all that it's not even whether or not they have two losses. It's do they have two really embarrassing losses? That's that's the pressing question. I mean, it'll be interesting. You know, Tennessee, it was a, a three point favorite, I think, uh, this morning at that BYU game. I'll be interested to see what that uh, what that line looks like on Monday. It it is going to be something. I tried to tried to help you out, Balls fans. <laughs> tried to give you. A chance to get some hope, but but David Oven just dashed it, and I'm sorry for that. It's not my fault at all. But uh, what do you expect 
after a loss to Georgia State. So, sorry, Tennessee fans, but the sun will come up tomorrow. It just still won't feel any better. Uh, it's there's, there's no way to sugarcoat it. David Oven, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks. Appreciate it. Anytime. Thank you for hanging out this week. It has been a pleasure. I can't wait for more football. If it's anything like this first weekend, we're going to have an amazing season. We're going to have a ton of stuff to talk about. And next time we talk, we'll be on Friday. That exclusive athletic subscribers only edition. If you aren't subscribed to The Athletic, get thee to athletic.com slash Andy Staples. That's athletic.com slash A-N-D-Y-S-T-A-P-L-E-S. You get to listen to all of my ramblings on Fridays, and you also get 40% off your first year of the best sports writing on the planet. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, if you're listening on Spotify, be sure to, if you liked it, rate it, review it. Tell everybody else. Tell a friend. Tell a neighbor. Tell a relative. Just tell everybody you know. I cannot wait for the rest of this season. If it's half as much fun as today was, we're in for a pretty wild ride. <laughs>